0: Welcome back. We are. This is debriefing the law. I am Joel Oster,
1: and I'm Mackenzie Smith.
0: And we stuttered a little bit because we have been on such a long break. We uh, we last, I think, we uh, podcasted. The Supreme Court was just entering their vacation span, and so Mackenzie and I thought, let's do the same thing. Let's take a little bit of a break. But hey, Labor Day is now behind us. It is time to get back to work. But Mackenzie, before we do that. How did you spend the last couple of months? Did you enjoy yourself? Were you on the French Riviera? How does Mackenzie (laughs) Smith vacation, or do you even know what vacation means?
1: You know, not this year, unfortunately. Actually, it's been a couple years since I've had like a full length vacation um, with my campaign. Activities this summer. I was mostly focused on that and trying to, you know, keep my four kids occupied. Summer camp was kind of sporadic because of COVID still. So, so it's been a little bit of a dumpster fire. Um, I did get away for a nice, weekend to chicago in july okay. which was lovely and had a very nice dinner um at a very upscale restaurant so that was that was really nice but i'm waiting until after election day to to fully let loose
0: i'm going to assume when you say upscale dinner in in chicago you must be talking about giordano's pizza i can't think of any <laughs> reason to go any more upscale than giordano's but um what, what, what kind of food did you eat in chicago a big old hot dog
1: yeah, no, it was um it was cuisine. Um it's like a Michelin star rated place and it was very good and actually um uh, my campaign manager lives in Chicago, so okay. we took him out to dinner. It was also an engagement dinner for him and his fiance who is my cousin, so it was just a very nice like family weekend. And my sister, um, who is a travel, she works in the travel and tourism industry and she's a travel guru. Somehow when we got to O'Hare for our flight home, we were in first class, which that does not (laughs) typically happen to me. Um, you know, we sat down and I said, I just don't belong here, but it was a very lovely flight home. So I enjoyed it. It was a little touch of luxury. Um, you know in an otherwise kind of busy summer just grinding away at my campaign so it was it was a nice getaway but i'm looking forward to taking you know a full week off after november 2nd for sure
0: see my youngest son just graduated from high school now in college and so we're thinking emptiness syndromes like now our entire life is a vacation we can go wherever we want whenever we want Uh, And so, yeah, we're actually planning on going on a cruise here in the next couple of weeks. Hey, maybe we'll do a podcast from Aruba. I don't know. It sounds fun (laughs) to me. Uh, I like to be in fun locations. But, um, you know, the the Supreme Court justices, they also have been on on somewhat of a vacation. But as we're going to find out here in just a bit, yeah, they've also been very busy working. We're going to unpack what the Supreme Court has been up to lately. But first, I do want to put this little plug in because you are running... For office. Are you running to become a judge? This is the start of your career, which is one day going to end up at the Supreme Court. I'm confident of that. Uh, I'm waiting
1: for the phone call. I'm waiting for my nomination to just, you know, my phone lines are open. President Biden... Anytime you're ready, I'm ready as well.
0: Now, Biden, you cannot go wrong with McKenzie. There are a lot of liberals out there that are crazy. That's are my words, not McKenzie's. <laughs> but those are my, she's not one of them. She actually is rationally minded. No, I probably shouldn't say that. that's probably going to be used against you now. Hey, a conservative said that she's rational minded. I, I don't know about that. But nonetheless, w- when is the election?
1: It is November 2nd. So it's okay. early this year.
0: Coming up, all right. You're hitting the home stretch here. What eight weeks left?
1: Eight weeks left.
0: And during in this COVID period, are you kissing babies, or is that like a frowned upon?
1: Yeah, I'm not kissing babies. Um, You know, there is it's it's the weather's nice, so it's a good time to be out outdoors talking to people. But you know, there there is some uneasiness with the Delta variant still going around. You know, I just I'm I'm not having an indoors event. Um, it's just not worth it to me. And while it's so beautiful out, I'm going to try and do as much as I can outside and we'll see where we are in October.
0: Well, I uh, hey, well, hope that we can follow along over the next eight weeks to see how things are going. I know it's going to be really exciting. I was involved in one campaign as a campaign manager, and, man, that was exciting because I, my neck wasn't on the line his was. But still, you're part of the anticipation, the excitement on election night, seeing how the votes were coming in. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun for you. And hopefully we can talk to Judge McKenzie Smith here uh, in the future. But speaking of that, the Supreme Court has been busy. Oh, before we get there, I was giving—I was trying to give a teaser on what we are going to do. Of course, we're going to bring to you the, 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 the funnier side of the law. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court, uh, what's going on in the world of law. And there's a lot going on. But also, this is the start of football season, and I am a huge football fan. And so I thought, you know what? I have my own podcast. Why not talk about sports? And why not talk about football? Because there's a lot of legal issues when it comes to the world of sports. We got gambling out there right now. We got conference realignment. You got criminal investigations against one Texas quarterback. A lot of legal issues in the world of sports. And we're going to take this opportunity to also talk sports as well. That's going to be in the, also during these podcasts, we're coming up with a title of it. And uh, my co-host for that one will be Christopher uh, Marone. And so, uh, you know, stay tuned, uh, stay on as Christopher comes on after this. We're going to talk a little bit of sports, but McKenzie, I do want to get your opinion. We are trying to come up with a title for that section of this podcast. Uh, it's going to be law and sports. And Chris came up with this idea of a courtroom quarterback. So not armchair quarterback. You like that?
1: I do like that. That's better than anything I'd be able to come up with on the spot. I can tell you that right now.
0: That was his idea. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> you know what, Chris? Kudos to you. Mackenzie says uh, two thumbs up. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta admit, I've i been thinking about it for the last couple of days, and I have come up with one better than courtroom quarterback. Uh, and so, all right, that's what it is. Courtroom quarterback it is. That's going to be the sports segment. But that's going to come on after you and I get done unpacking the law. Because I know, Mackenzie, you're just dying to get into the big legal issues of the day. The Supreme Court has been... I guess apparently they came back from their vacation raring to go. But before we get there, can we cover the real pressing news? Apparently in Florida, there was a domestic, the cops were called on a domestic uh, battery charge. And when the cops, I know we should not make fun of domestic batteries. I I I do want to preface that. But sometimes, just sometimes, the situation is very weird. And so when the cops got there, apparently the two couples were covered in spaghetti and ready to press charges on each other. Did you read about that case?
1: Well, I heard about it from you, and then I kind of looked into it a little bit. And if I remember from, uh, you know, crim law and torts class, I mean, I think throwing spaghetti does count as battery under most state laws.
0: Uh, throwing spaghetti is battery all right uh it does take a batter for cake i'm not so sure for <laughs> sorry we need a rim shot please there somewhere but apparently uh, this lady named stephanie lanas 45 and her boyfriend adolfo riviera also or, or 35 so we've got 10 year age difference there we're having a nice italian dinner now get this mckenzie at 1 a.m on friday why no you why are you having a nice italian dinner in the middle of the night i don't get that i've lost i am lost in the story does that resonate with you at all
1: no that's it's a very european thing to do they eat very late i mean more so in spain than in italy but you know you could be at the dinner table at midnight that doesn't shock my conscience
0: 1 a.m i remember going to uh uh, new york city my a uh, client, now a really good friend, invited us up to New York after his case, and my wife went up there, and he said, hey, let's let's go out and have dinner. I said, all right, what, what time will, will you, you be by to pick us up? I'm thinking 5 o'clock, may, maybe 5.30, he'd come by and pick us up, we'd go out and have dinner. No, no. 9 o'clock rolls around. Does he show up? No. 10 o'clock rolls around. Does he show up? No. 10 30 he comes to pick us up to take us out to dinner which was in the bronx which was two hours away via subway we did not roll in for dinner until about 11 30 midnight i'm going i'm supposed to be in bed here this is midnight is not <laughs> when you start having dinner uh but you're saying hey if we want to be european we need to eat at 1 a.m is that what you're saying
1: I mean, I guess New Yorkers do it too. The, you know, the East Coast is very. We're on. With the time zones, we just run later. We're just used right. to operating later into the night. And maybe they were just, you know, needed a midnight snack. Who knows?
0: There you go. 1 a.m. <laughs> the police did say that they believed. Alcohol played a factor in this, uh, ordeal. Apparently with ins- what happened, <laughs> right? <laughs> Apparently the couple, things got so ugly between them. They started shoving plates of spaghetti into each other's faces and the cops were called. Well, nonetheless, um, that, that, that qualifies as a crazy wacky case, but this, this next one is almost, I, I got to mention it. Uh, it, it involved, uh, Tesla and the, uh, the owner of Tesla, uh, Elon Musk was testifying in a trial and, and during trial, they had to, t- to pause the proceedings because one of the attorneys for the plaintiff, are you ready for this, McKenzie? Oh, I'm ready. Va- vomited in the jury box. Now, McKenzie, <laughs> I know that in, you've done trials before, and you have thought the other side's argument was very bad. <laughs> it, 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 it was re- repugnant to you. But has it ever been repugnant to the point of actually throwing up when you heard the other side's argument?
1: So I think actually the rumor is that the attorney had food poisoning, although that is hearsay that's unconfirmed, but it just makes me laugh. It's so, I mean, that's like a bad day at work. That's a really, <laughs> I know. like a really bad day at work. And apparently it took them several hours to clean out and sanitize. And especially like, first of all, just to throw up during any, you know, public meeting or proceeding at in your workplace is horrible enough. This right. is an adversarial proceeding. You're literally in trial, and the place that you throw up is— into the jury box, these <laughs> citizens have been subpoenaed against their will to perform <laughs> their civic duty and, you know, sit in this lengthy and very complex, you know, conflict of interest trial or whatever, a breach of fiduciary duty in Delaware. And they're the and and we're in the middle of a global pandemic where you really right, just right. don't want to be exposed to random people's bodily fluids. Like it's just. <laughs> a nightmare, like just a nightmare. And I giggle just because like the visual that you get is just so vivid when you've done trials and we all have, you know, our funny stories of, oh, you know, one time I accidentally said this in front of the jury right. or this happened, you know, I had in my first opening statement ever, I had my, I was wearing high heels and a suit and they have those little panels in the floor that you can kind of lift up a little trapdoor and put your plugs of your devices to connect right. to the projector. And, you know, there's a little tiny hole in this panel so that you can fit your finger in and, and flip it up. And as I'm saying, you know, ladies and gentlemen of the jury <clears throat> and say my opening statement, my heel went into the hole <laughs> and I saw my life flash before my eyes <laughs> And the headlines in the local newspaper, like, assistant district attorney bites the dust during opening (laughs) statement in rape trial. Like, it was just—and somehow I caught myself, like, my knees buckled, and I caught myself and just, you know, kept going. But you have stories like that that are, like, your personal horror stories, but this is just really bad. This right. is just really bad. Like, that's got to be like one of the worst days of your career. And my heart goes I mean, out to this attorney. And, and to give the news media some credit, I have not been able to find anywhere the name of this attorney. And I think that's really classy ah. of them.
0: <laughs> but man, would a missed opportunity. I would have loved to interview that lawyer on this case to ask him. Could you not have, like, steered a little bit to the left? I mean, did you have to hit the jury box? Were you aiming for a particular juror to get them knocked off? Maybe <laughs> that's a strategy, right? You couldn't get them knocked off during the I- You're out of your automatic strike. So why not throw up on that juror during the middle of trial? I, is that, is that cause for mistrial? I have no idea. But-
1: Food poisoning, I mean, that can just come on really quickly. So, but, you know, who knows? It happened to me,
0: actually. I had an argument in... In federal court in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of a life lesson here, McKenzie. So please take note. This is I know you're much younger than me. This is important to know. But I I had or a summary judgment motion. So we had argument in federal court, and so I go down to Tulsa and I stay in the the Hilton right across from ORU uh, the night before. Now here's what you got to understand, Mackenzie. The entire week before this this I went down there for this trial for this hearing. Tulsa had no power. Apparently, an ice storm came to Tulsa, wiped out power for an entire week. So almost the entire grid of Tulsa was without power. So you understand what I'm saying here? No power for a week. All right. So I get there. And what do I decide to order, uh, you know, uh, at this Hilton? I say, the fish. Why not order the fish? And It never (laughs) dawned on me till afterwards that maybe ordering fish when the place has had no power for for a week straight— not the smartest move to make. And, and so the next morning, I woke up as sick as a dog. I mean, I'm driving to court. My window is rolled out. I'm throwing up on the side of my car. I had no idea. <laughs> can I actually even get out of trial? Get out of this hearing? Because I'm throwing up. I don't want to do that. So here's what I do. I kid you not. I actually went and told the, the, the courtroom deputy. I'm not feeling too well here. I I might be throwing up, So I'll just let you know, I have this trash bag right beside me just in case, because I don't know what's going to happen. And she said, all right, whatever. So I had this uh, trash can right beside me. I never had to use it. Uh, But uh, yeah, do not order fish when the locale has been without power for a week straight. Well
1: You know, I'm not that good at geography, but if I'm not mistaken, Tulsa is, like, not known for its majestic coastline either. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's I don't right. know. If like, And you just have to, you know, you have to have a light. So, when I'm in trial, I only eat pancakes oh, for dinner. really? Every, for whatever reason, I, it's like I have to carbo-load. You know, you're not doing, like, that much physical exertion, <laughs> but... Anyone who's been in trial knows that it's exhausting. I mean, you leave court exhausted.
0: Right. You do. Because you have
1: to be on. You're like on all day. It and is showtime. From, it's yes. And for whatever reason, like my body just wants the large stack of pancakes to like refuel for the next day. And somehow that's become my like tradition it's a safe you know you're not going to get food poisoning you're going to be able to digest it it's Dude. carbohydrates it keeps you going and that's like my thing now where every night after trial i eat a large stack of pancakes and then i do it again the next day until the trial is over
0: i am not copying that every time i have trial it's going to be i hop the day before and uh, I, I'm going to enjoy a, a stack of pancakes. Well, I can't think of a better segue into the Supreme Court than vomiting and pancakes. And so, <laughs> McKinsey, I know you've been excited because this is your future employer, uh, the Supreme Court. <laughs> what, um, what's been going on at the Supreme Court? Anything of interest to you?
1: So we know that the next term, the October 2021 term, starts indeed this October. Um, I think the first week of October, the court starts oral arguments. So you would think, oh, you know, government employees are just doing nothing all summer on our taxpayer dime, but that's actually not the case for the Supreme Court. Um, I think we've mentioned a couple times there's this, you know, nebulous thing called the shadow docket that just kind of runs all the time and- It's where the court hears cases or decides cases without the full procedure that they normally have. So normally, you know, there's a petition for certiorari and there's briefing on whether the court should even hear the case. And then when they decide to hear it, there's more briefing and sometimes briefing from third parties who might have an opinion on how the case should come out. And then you have oral argument and then several months go by and drafts, the justices circulate draft opinions and eventually they come out around May and June. Well, all the while and all throughout the year, this shadow docket is going on and it's where the court hears emergency cases or cases that don't, you know, that are at the court through a procedure other than a full merits hearing. So, you know, a lot of times you'll hear about the court issuing a stay of execution in the middle of the night for someone who's on death row. So that's an example of like a shadow docket type case where someone literally sometimes runs to the courthouse with a petition and it gets decided that day. Um, So the court has been pretty busy this summer with these shadow docket petitions. And last term, we had a lot of um, shadow docket activity on the COVID cases. So, you know, there were a lot of petitions from religious institutions who were kind of shut down and told that they couldn't hold services that petitioned the court. And so those are kind of making their way um, through the court, but also, There have been more, I'll say, like merits type cases that uh, certain parties have kind of found ways to put on the court's shadow docket to get decisions more quickly. Um, So those have been going on. It's been a very active shadow docket year.
0: And in in particular, this past week, uh, there's been a very significant development in the court's shadow docket because upcoming this term is the case called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. This was the case that everyone is talking about. This is the one where there's going to be theoretically Roe v. Wade is going to be hanging the balance uh, of this case or planned parenthood v. Casey depending upon how you view your uh, you know abortion right to life jurisprudence. And so the court's going to consider this case and they're going to consider Roe v. Wade. Well, apparently Texas did not want to wait that long. Uh, They did not not want to wait for the court to decide Dobbs. And so they passed a very unique law. And and this law prohibited abortions after a heartbeat is detected, I believe at the six-week stage. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But here's the unique thing about this law. This law is not enforceable by government employees. This is why this is important. When you challenge a law, and I'm a constitutional lawyer, so this is what I do, you, what you do is you can't sue a state in, in federal court. Uh, that, that's a violation, I believe, of the Tenth Amendment. You can't do that. And so what you do is you sue a director or an official of the state, whoever is in, in charge of enforcing this law, and you sue that person, and you ask the court to enjoin that person from enforcing this bad law. But here is the thing about the, about this Texas case. The, the, the law itself said that the state can't enforce it. And, and so w- instead, private citizens can sue one another in court to enforce this law. Well, if that's the case, then who would I sue in court to enjoin this law? I can't sue the state. Uh, I, I don't know what individual to sue. I just can't take Joe Schmo out of the, the blue and sue that person. So in that context, this law then goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, and and again, this is before Dobbs, and so it's a it's a shadow docket type of case. How would the court rule? Uh, anything interesting about this case strike you, McKinsey?
1: <laughs> There's a lot that's interesting about this case. You know, it's it's um, I feel like the word unprecedented it's kind of played out these days, but it's it's the law itself is. Unique and have you ever of...
0: seen that kind of law before where it, it says the state cannot enforce it? It's just private people can enforce it.
1: Well, the private people part, no, but it's funny you should mention that because, uh, <laughs> one of the cases that's cited in the Supreme Court's paragraph long decision on this case is. California versus Texas. And if you okay. remember when we talked about that, I think we called it Obamacare 4, right? which was a case from last term. The central question in that case was about the individual mandate, and I think it was Justice Thomas during oral arguments said like what is the point like of government, right? Can government issue a mandate but there's no penalty for not Obeying the mandate is it a law? If you just you know if the government, the legislature says, and in this case it was Congress, right, saying you know this is the law. Everybody has to buy insurance, but if you don't, there's no consequence. Right, right. It, does right. that count as a law? And really, what the court seemed to say, and probably what the legislators or their counsel in in Texas thought about, was well, we can now use that because the court in California versus Texas, basically said, you know, well, our hands are tied. There's really no mechanism for us to strike this down because there's no standing because no one's harmed by this mandate. It's a little different in this case. First of all, it's a ban and not a mandate, but it's some creative, I guess, reasoning to say, well, the court has kind of now sanctioned uh, unenforceable laws that legislatures pass and they've kind of already said like, well, there doesn't seem to be anything we can do about this um, unless and until someone withstanding can come forward. And that's basically what the court said in its opinion. Like, you know, no one's been harmed yet. Uh, No one's tried to enforce this law yet. And it looks like, you know, how could we issue an injunction against a state official when state officials are explicitly prohibited from enforcing this law in the first place? There's so, no harm.
0: In a five to four decision, the Supreme Court said this case is brought too early. It lacks standing. You haven't sued someone who actually can enforce the law. Therefore, it it, it decided it, it it declined to get involved in this case at this stage because it was too early. Now let's uh, let's back up just a little bit. So Texas passed this law that said look you no abortions after. The, the heartbeat is detected. I'm paraphrasing it, but for our purposes, that's, that's sufficient. But private citizens can sue one another. And I believe there's even a $10,000 fine that someone could, can get by suing someone under this law. Uh, and so if someone did sue someone under this law, surely in that case, the defendant could claim these constitutional defenses, right? Wouldn't We not agree with that. So this law can be challenged Uh, at that point in time the question is why should we wait until that point in time why don't we just sue now to say this law is unconstitutional and at least as of now five supreme court justices um so it'd be the three liberals were in dissent with the chief justice it was a five-four decision they basically said no this is too early we're not going to enjoin this law because i believe this law was challenged This day after it took effect, saying this law is unconstitutional, it needs to be enjoined, and it goes up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says, no, you lack standing, so we're not going to enjoin this law. What's next in this case?
1: Well, my understanding is, you know, um, I I guess there are about 24... abortion providers in the state of texas they have all upon information and belief based on the reporting that i've looked at they have all stopped scheduling um procedures and all
0: 24 abortion providers have stopped providing abortions because of this
1: law after six weeks of gestation which is essentially i mean i think it's it's close to all abortions. It's a nearly a total ban because the way that gestational age works is that, you know, once you find out you're pregnant, you're usually five or six weeks pregnant already because, you know, it starts, the time starts ticking at your last ovulation, which is obviously before you conceive. So the clock is already running. It's, it's very difficult to even find out you're pregnant, like before that deadline, and then to schedule a procedure and have the procedure done. So it really has had just a chilling effect. Like It's it's basically uh, virtually a total ban on abortion in the state of Texas. And the reason is the reason that these um, clinics have stopped scheduling procedures is the, the way the law is structured is anyone is allowed to sue them. Right. Anyone is, there's no limit on the number of people who could sue them. Um, and if, and they have to pay, the clinics have to pay their own way to defend themselves regardless of how meritorious the lawsuits are. Right. Whereas if the clinics lose, not only do they have to pay, I believe a fine, but they also have to pay the plaintiff's attorney's fees. So there's a fee shifting provision, but it only goes one way. Right. So the cost of defending against these lawsuits would be prohibitive. I mean, they would have to shut down. They would go out of business. So it's very crafty. It's been structured in that way to achieve the result um, that the proponents of the law want to achieve while also evading judicial review. So essentially, um, that's the state of affairs in Texas right now is my understanding.
0: Now, so obviously, if someone sued another person under this law, then that that would be the context in which they could get this law thrown out. Um, they, they could raise this as a defense. The, the point you're making is a clinic is not going to want to provide abortions at all because they don't want to be subjected to this law. Because we're talking probably, I don't know, theoretically, um, how many residents are in Texas?
1: I mean, millions and millions. 20,
0: yeah, 30, 40 million. I don't know what my population is in Texas. So you could have 40 million different lawsuits against this one, this clinic. And so obviously it's a lot of money. So they're there's, we're going to shut down. I would almost, because I've had interactions with the uh, the abortion industry and in previous lawsuits, I, I don't think they're going to step down on this. I, I know that's what they might have said. I just have, re- I, I doubt that. I think they, they will tee this up uh, and this will be litigated in that. I know that's what they said when they went to, um, you know, before the court. Hey, you got to join this now because we don't want to provide. We're going to shut down and maybe for the next week or so they might. I just don't see that all those Texas abortion providers are going to be shutting their doors for the foreseeable future. Uh, but hey, we'll, we'll see what happens over the next uh, year because Dobbs will be heard and decided And this obviously is a fascinating legal issue. Will the court change its uh, standing procedures to allow, maybe the state court will allow, will change its standing procedures and allow this to be enjoined under state law in Texas. So there might be those remedies. And I think one of the justices even said, this does not prevent anyone from going in Texas via the Texas court system to stop these proceedings. Uh, And so maybe that's the route they go as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I think, you know, it's it's difficult to discuss when it's such a hot button issue that people have such strong, you know, moral and emotional feelings about. But I think if we step back for a second and, and look at the bigger picture, you know, do we really, and I guess this is a question as of right now that's limited to citizens of the state of Texas, Um You know, but do you really want to live in a society where your fellow community members have been given a financial incentive by the state to suit, to to spy on you, track your activities, sue you? I mean, what type of environment is that? And it could conceivably go both ways, meaning, you know, this is a an issue where maybe the Right to Life movement is, is happy with the, the effect or the, the purpose of the law. But think about, you know, in a liberal state, under this kind of precedent that's been set now, what's to prevent a liberal state from saying, well, we're going to outlaw guns, um, and, but you know, the state can't enforce it. So no one can go to the Supreme court and say, Hey, that's totally unconstitutional. Your fellow citizens can enforce it. Well,
0: well I read that, but here's my, here would be my response to that. I, I've been thinking that through, um, would the state really want to give up its ability to prosecute a certain area. So you mentioned guns, a great example. Um, but would the state really want to say, no we're not going to enforce any gun laws from here on out we're going to just hand that all over to the private citizenry because if the state maintained any control or ability to regulate that in that area then you could just sue that state official and get the law enjoined. so it would have to be a certain area where the state was willing to say yeah we're never going to uh, prosecute ever again in this area of law and so yeah it's a whole new area i know we're just kind of looking at the horizon trying to guess what's going to happen because we're trying to, what are the unintended consequences of this, of allowing private citizens, could it be the straw and uh, You could sue, you know, someone for an environmental issue of, of littering. Uh, and that way we'll just, I, I don't know where this might lead, but it, it definitely is a, is a, I can't think of anywhere else in the law where the state has said, we are going to take a hands-off approach. We're going to let the private citizenry just, you know, regulate this area.
1: Right. Not to mention the consequences for the civil justice system in terms of docket management. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can bet you that there are a lot of people in Texas who would love $10,000 and a lot of lawyers who would love attorney's fees. Um, It doesn't bode well for docket management issues. You know, it it remains to be seen. What's going to happen? But I think it's a it, there's definitely it's it this just happened, and I think everyone's kind of wrapping their mind around what's going on. And and if you look at the court's decision, you know even the justices kind of say, you know we we need to wrap our mind minds around what's going on here. This is totally unprecedented. So I think there'll be a lot of of dialogue about this, and you know, people will kind of think it through at a deeper level. But it is a great, I think it will be a, a great and very interesting case study in the law of unintended consequences and what happens when you know, interest groups or or you know, even groups of legislators decide that it's acceptable to take shortcuts and make end runs around the rule of law in order to achieve a policy objective for short-term political gain. And, you know, I mean, the fact that California v. Texas was cited in this decision is proof positive of that. Like nobody, nobody back when we were all talking about the individual mandate thought that that, ruling would be used in this right. context. That's unintended, but here it is. Um and so, you know, we really need to step back and think about are there first principles to which we should be faithful above and beyond all else because this type of thing happens. And I would respectfully submit, yeah, they're written in our nation's founding document. That's literally what it's there for. And I don't know about you, Joel, but I'm not smarter than James Madison. I'm just not. (laughs) So I'm going to stick with him.
0: Well, you are pretty smart. Uh, I haven't (laughs) met James Madison, so I'm not willing to concede to that, but... The uh, yeah, it's that is hard to say. Well, how might this law be applied down the road? Now, my constitutional law professor told me, Joel, the Supreme Court operates with this theory: any stick to beat a dog. So when it has a current issue, it's gonna pick the stick to beat the dog. I love dogs, so please, Peter, don't become harping at me. I don't. I'm not advocating beating the dogs, but you get the idea. When the next case comes around, if that precedent proves problematic to the Supreme Court, guess what? They're going to change it. They're going to change sticks. Uh, And you see the Supreme Court do it all the time. Another Supreme Court litigator told me, Joel, you don't use the Supreme Court. They use you. And so if they don't want to be bothered by certain precedent, they won't be. They'll just, they're brilliant. They'll just either argue around it or just change the precedent. They have that kind of power. They are the Supreme Court. Well, this is definitely going to be a case we're going to follow because I have no idea how this is going to play out in Texas, and so it will just be our guess. Well, lastly here, before we talk sports, I want to throw by you, I need an update because we have not talked in a couple of weeks, and I just got to know what is happening with my favorite singer, Britney Spears. So give it to me one more time. (laughs) What is happening with Britney right now? Give us our update.
1: So we've talked a lot about Free Britney and her conservatorship battle. So since we last spoke, there was a big hubbub uh, a few weeks ago and all the news outlets reported uh, Britney's father Jamie Spears has right. agreed to step down as conservator. And this is like <laughs> this is uh, indicative of what's going on in society now with our goldfish attention spans because apparently like no one actually like read the entire pleading that he submitted so he agreed to step down when the time is right as determined no. by him and subject to a multi-million dollar payout and i guess second, like on no stop one read r- through the paragraph
0: stop right here are you telling me he is still in the position of a conservator oh yeah wow You're right. We have a goldfish attention span, uh, maybe a flea. So he said he's going to do it. That's what was reported. But you're saying as of today, he is still a conservator on the case waiting for a million dollar payout.
1: Correct. And the other development that's happened is, Uh, Brittany has been permitted to hire her own attorney and her attorney is, does appear to be going to bat for her. Um, there has been a motion or some kind of paper submitted to the court in which her lawyer has asked the court to, you know, essentially strong arm Jamie Spears into stepping down without any kind of payout quote today before he is suspended. So they are really, you know, taking a strong position, Brittany has made clear that she believes she does have a claim against her father and some of the other actors that have allowed the conservatorship to go on for this long. But I think, you know, it remains to be seen how this is all ultimately going to play out. But I do hope that at some point in the future, you know, we're going to see Brittany testifying to Congress and, you know, really maybe some reform coming out of this because it it really has opened, I mean, mine included, everyone's eyes to an area of the law that's kind of been shrouded in mystery and secrecy for a really long time. And it's another example, just like the Texas law that we were discussing, like when you give people, you know, these financial incentives to behave a certain way, more often than not, they're going to behave that way. Um, And this is a situation where a lot of people were profiting very handsomely off of a status quo that, you know, probably should not have been the status quo for a very long time.
0: I just got to let my mind wrap around what you just described, which is a conservator of of someone else's financial affairs is demanding a payout to him of a million dollars plus to stop being a conservator where he's only supposed to be acting in the other person's best interest. Something about that to me just screams hypocrisy. I don't quite know how to articulate it, but he should not be demanding a settlement. He is only in this position to serve her best interest, not his own. So why is he demanding a settlement?
1: It's just, I think it's, I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but like my feeling is, you know, when, <laughs> when people are um, enabled to get away with, certain behavior for so long, like eventually it changes their outlook, right? Like they feel like they are entitled. I mean, he probably, you know, although unreasonably sincerely believes he's entitled to a payout. And, you know, it's because of 13 years of having those demands be sanctioned by a court and and allowed to proceed and there, I, there are so many irregularities like if you start looking into this whole saga i mean you know her brittany's testimony about not being allowed to remove her iud i looked into the california probate code and you're supposed to have a separate court order for that there's a whole separate hearing that's supposed to take place in order for those kinds of medical decisions to be forced on someone. And I guess that just wasn't followed here. Apparently the initial um, proceeding was an emergency conservatorship, but then when it kind of shifted and there were were motions to make it a permanent arrangement. There were documents that were supposed to be filed, capacity declarations. I mean, really fundamental things that were just never filed. Um, So it looks like there was a lot that went on here that was highly irregular and just no recourse, nothing, you know, nothing that Brittany, someone in Brittany's position could have done without violating the terms of her conservatorship. So she was really in a terrible situation with no way out and no one was helping her for a very long time. It's just, it is shocking um, when you start to dig into it. But I do think that this hopefully, you know, is another situation where light is being shed on an institution um, that's been operating in the shadows for far too long.
0: So do you know what the next step is? I know Brittany has hired her own personal attorney. The court has allowed her to do that. And he is a former federal prosecutor. He's going to be looking into all that happened up to now and say, were there irregularities? What is the next step? Is he going to report back to the court? What he has found? Are we waiting for another lawsuit? What is currently before the court and what should we expect next?
1: Right. So in the conservatorship case, I mean, it's going to be a petition to, either dissolve the conservatorship or probably first, um, a petition to remove Jamie as the conservator. So that will happen. Uh, there may be a a petition eventually to dissolve the conservatorship as a whole. And then I would imagine that Brittany is going to meet with her attorneys and decide, you know, what claims she may have and against whom. And, you know, these, if there are ultimately lawsuits that she brings to try and recover some of the funds in her estate that have been squandered or, you know, other, other claims, maybe that could go on for years. I mean, this could really just be the beginning.
0: Okay. All right. Well, Hey, I'm glad you're on this and you can give us updates. Uh, I I hope someday we can find out what actually took place. And it does make me very uh, uneasy as to this thought of, Okay, Brittany is worth millions and millions of dollars. She's a global celebrity. And if she wasn't able to fight the, the, the man, if you will, in, in this scenario, what chance do normal people have? People who don't have access to money, don't have access to the press like she does. They have no say in this. It just happens to them and then life moves on. Uh, and, and yeah, you might say, well, money's not as much of a motive with those other situations. Oh, but I think it is. I think people want to fight child support. They want to fight alimony and all different kinds of situations. If there is any any kind of scenario like that, people will fight and they know how to rig the system. That just makes me very uneasy. I hope she does testify before Congress so we can shed some light as to what is going on. All right. Well, I know
1: we're
0: going to to transition now to our courtroom quarterback. But before we do that, I just need to hear from you, McKinsey. McKenzie. What is your pick for Super Bowl this upcoming year? I know I've surprised you with this. I did. You did. You. You're on the spot here. But do you have a betting favorite for Super Bowl this year?
1: Um, that's one thing I have not been doing over the summer is <laughs> keeping right. abreast of my football. I will tell you that my family league fantasy football draft is tonight, tonight? Okay. and I have not even looked at. Anything. I mean, I don't know. My my kids tell me that preseason has been going very badly for the Eagles. That's about all I know. Um, you know, my my stepson is in a tackle football league this year for the first time, so I'm getting double whammy. I'm about wow. to become a football widow twice over yes. because. <laughs> You know, the Sunday afternoons are gone and now Saturday. So it's going to be football, football, football around here for the foreseeable future. Um, But I don't you know, I mean, I could pick pick some names out of a hat and that would be as good a guess as any. I will I will mention, though, I did win fantasy last year. Um, That is amazing. I know. And no one ever paid me. I was supposed to get a bunch of scratch and wins and no one ever paid me for the scratch and wins. So that's how it went in my family. But, um, you know, I mean, we'll just pick your chiefs. I mean, why not? It sounds great to me.
0: You know what? Those you are extremely wise. Now I am feel validated in calling you wiser than James Madison because that is the best pick you could have done. The Chiefs are at the beginning of their dynasty and they are about ready to dominate for the next decade. So yeah, just, just hey, you know what? There's room on our bad wagon for you, so you're welcome aboard. All right, I'll thank take you so the
1: barbecue all day. I know that Patrick Mahomes had like a really cute baby in the off season, so maybe he's like feeling good and motivated, and yeah, I could see it.
0: He wants to do her proud. Exactly. Yes, he needs to go out there and play well for the new baby. Yeah, actually, uh, his dog, and he has a couple of dogs. One of his dogs just tore his ACL. So I posted on Facebook, Mahomes tore his ACL. I forgot to clarify, is Mahomes a dog? I got all kinds of hate responses to me. But nonetheless, <laughs> I guess you don't mess with Patrick Mahomes' ACL. All right, good talking to you, and we'll see you next week.
1: Sounds good. Talk to you soon.
0: welcome to the maiden voyage of courtroom quarterback i am joel oster and joining me for this venture this maiden voyage welcome christopher
2: thank you very much Joel. i'm super excited to be talking about this from courtroom quarterbacks
0: chris i'll tell you the first half of this podcast you probably didn't listen to it because it hasn't aired yet but Mackenzie smith and i talked about the title for this section of the podcast and when i ran the idea by her during the podcast of courtroom quarterback she loved it She goes, that is an incredible name what a great like armchair quarterback this is perfect and so well since she gave it two thumbs up i thought she's she's gonna be a future judge she knows better than us let's let's go with it is that does that work for you i love it let's do this all right you came up with that name good job courtroom quarterback the maiden voyage and as you and i both know We are going to have a lot of fun. This is basically you and I sitting down once a week and talking law and sports. Now, hopefully it's going to be where law intersects with sports, but nonetheless, this has got to be a lot of fun. And along the way, of course, we're going to talk storylines of the actual sport itself. There is no way Chris and I can actually talk about sports and I put our two cents in as to what we thought happened that previous Saturday or Sunday. So are you ready to go, Chris? Yep. Let's do this, man. All right. Well, the season, the NFL season is about to kick off. Uh, what, what, what excites you, Chris, about this upcoming NFL season? Oh,
2: a couple things excite me, Joel. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, the Niners and how they've constructed their team with a couple of the draft picks they got. I'm really excited about the Arizona Cardinals bringing JJ Watt over. It's really going to be a lot of fun. Um, Seeing, you know, the elder statesman, Larry Fitzgerald, take more of an advisory role as he's coaching. Is he still playing? He is. He isn't playing. He isn't playing as much. I believe this, uh, this home opener that we're going to have this weekend, he's actually going to sit out and coach from the sidelines to help out, but he's still on, you know, he's still on the roster, still on the, the, the active roster and, we're gonna see what he does, but I'm just, you know, I'm really looking forward to also getting back to a sense of normalcy, right? We're we're coming out. Uh, of, what do you
0: mean by that?
2: Like sports last year during COVID just seemed like weird. I didn't. See now was it
0: ju- was it just last year we had no fans in the stands? Was right. that a year ago?
2: That's really a year ago, right? We had that was weird. We had and how they piped in the sounds of fans over the game so it made the players feel right like oh, that was so it just, fake it was just you know though i did appreciate the fact that i could donate to my favorite team and get a picture of myself at, the, <laughs> I at every about game that you know I, wow I, that was a year ago yeah it was a year ago so i went to every single 49ers game last year because i paid for my cardboard cutout but you, this you year, paid
0: like, for a cardboard cutout
2: i did man i okay did.
0: I, I gotta ask this i gotta ask this what seat do, do, do you know
2: Um, Yeah, I got section 112, row 18, seat 9. And I only know that because I'm looking at the receipt right now in my email trying to think about um, what's going on.
0: That is better than any seat I've ever had in, in real life. So your cardboard cutout has lived a better life than I have lived. I have never been in, what, 100, so I assume that's the bottom section. Yep, that's- I'm usually, my section starts with a four. I'm usually in the 400, <laughs> that's above even the 300 section. I'm way out there. Uh, Yeah, your cardboard cutout, I got to meet your cardboard cutout. That's the way to go. Hey, yeah. put him on a dating site. I'm, there might be some women out there willing to date the cardboard cutout. He is living a pretty good life. I can't believe, Chris, that was a year ago. Because I was thinking the same thought last week right. about what a load of crap ESPN is. Here's what I'm talking about: ESPN is supposedly this woke organization. They're so concerned about wokeness and things like that, but they are. And so, oh, you got to wear a mask if you're a sideline reporter. So that that was like that's so critical to them. You got to wear a mask because. Even though people are 10 feet away, you got to wear a mask when you're doing sideline reporting. But then they hosted game day for college football, and they had all these college people and fans behind them all close together, screaming at each other's faces. I'm going, well, what is it? Is it that we're all going to die next week? Or is it, yeah, this is, uh, we're back to normal. I don't know. But I, as you said, we are at least, it is nice to see us get back to normal and actually have fans in the stands.
2: Yeah, and I'm all about that. I, you know, I'll watch a game on TV and I'll 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 catch the highlight reel, but being there in person is where it's at. That's where I, well, that's where I'm spending my money, too, right? I'm going to go get six hot dogs and that's $700. I'm Let me gonna... ask
0: you this. Let me ask you this. If you had your preference, would yep. you rather watch a game from the comfort of your living room, big screen TV, you probably have a 110-inch TV, whatever, and you have all the free, cheap nachos you want (laughs) uh, and all the cold drinks that you want right there in your living room, or do you want to face parking and be at the game? Because I could see six of one half dozen of another.
2: Oh, no, at the game every time. And I don't care if my seat is the one that's up there at the very top, very back row, behind a pillar, I still want to be at the game.
0: Wow. I, I, I kind of see where you're going with that because I attended a Nebraska game with my boys several years <laughs> ago, and this all came down to a – Final field goal and, right. and Alex Henry lined it up and nailed a 67 yard field goal. Maybe it's 57 yards. I don't know. Extremely long field goal. Right. We won the game until the entire crowd in unison. We were breathing together. Oh we yeah. We were, you know, we were so our hearts were beating at the same uh, pace and pulse level. And when that field goal went through, everyone just you know, rejoice as loud as they possibly could. I don't know if that's what heaven is going to be like. It was an amazing thing to be a part of, right. and yeah, you, you missed that if you're at home.
2: We were so we were at the Tyler Gilbert Diamondbacks game at his first official start when he threw the no hitter. Okay, right, and we were in section three sixteen, which is the the upper upper deck row twenty three and twenty four, which is the upper upper rows of okay. three sixteen. I couldn't I couldn't see the look on the face of the player on the field. But all of us in that stadium watching this guy on his first career start throw a no-hitter is amazing. It's Man, absolutely amazing. You. you feel it in the in the stadium. And look, Diamondback games are like 20% full. They're nowhere right, right, near right. like capacity. We're 41 and a half games behind first place. We're not we're not filling the stadium anytime soon. But to be in the stadium and to watch that is such a different feeling than it is to just watch it on TV.
0: It is amazing. You're right. You're cool. right. It, it is a sense that you are there, despite the fact that you buy a thing of nachos and it costs right. eight bucks in the crappy nachos.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. You get. You it, have to get past all of that. You have to get past the like, the, how much it's going to cost, and the walking out and the leaving the the Traffic. Oh yeah, it's murder. Right. It's the worst thing ever.
0: Oh um, my goodness! All right. So my biggest uh, storyline for this upcoming season, what I'm really excited about is during this past season, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. I think he's God's third son somewhere mm-hmm. in the not the Trinity, but maybe the quartet. I don't know. It's not, <laughs> it's not covered in my Bible. It probably should be. Right. Uh, but he was asked what record is most important to him. And he said going 20 and 0, now, because yeah. you're doing your math, uh, 20 and 0 is the new perfect season. So the Miami Dolphins actually went, correct me if I'm wrong, but 14 and 0, that was the record. I think they played 12 games then, plus a playoff in the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if that's correct. But then last year it was. What nineteen and zero? You could go. No, no, it'd be eighteen and zero, right? You'd win sixteen games and in three postseason games, it would be nineteen and zero. This year, we added an extra game, so twenty and zero. And he wants to go undefeated, and so that would be obviously something to watch. (laughs) When will the Chiefs lose the first game? And then I'm sure the media will ask him some questions about that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, what about this? See, here are my um, uh, my one of my big storylines from this upcoming year: the new quarterback. Do you remember the draft last year? They, all of these. Oh my yeah. goodness! All, all the quarterbacks. All these quarterbacks that were out there, right? Ton of quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and so let me just throw out some of the names there. You got uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He is the quarterback. He went number one uh, to to Jacksonville Jaguars. Got a right. brand new coach out there, in Urban Meyer. That's an interesting. That spot. is going to be a very now,
2: interesting storyline to follow. Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence playing together. That's going to be yeah. That's going to be something crazy.
0: I mean, can Urban Meyer coach in the NFL? It's right. not an easy fix. There haven't been a lot of successes. Let's take the probably what most people say is the best college coach in recent memory. Right. That would be uh, Nick Saban. Is it Nick, Nick Satan? Saban. Nick Saban?
2: Saban. I forget how
0: you pronounce his last name. Are you sure it's not
2: Satan? It could be. Well, it depends on how close you are to to Alabama. It depends. <laughs> is your other name Dabo Sweeney? Because if you're Dabo Sweeney, then it's Nick Nick Satan.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we'll go with Nick Saban. I, I think you're right on that uh-huh. one. Uh, and so he was a an NFL coach for a couple of years. He he, he won the national title with LSU. Then went to I believe is Miami. Yep. Did not have tremendous success. And I think he quit after year two. Maybe even during year two. I'm not too sure on that. But he he, he only gave a two year run. He said, "Nope, this is not for me. I got I got to go back to college where I can pay my players." I don't know. Right. And, and so <laughs> he wasn't a tremendous success. And uh and, and so what will Urban Meyer be able to do this? It'd be a fascinating storyline. How do you
2: think he's done so far? Well, I think he's done pretty decent. I mean, you're working with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not like right. it's not like he's moving into the New England Patriots or even into like the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's no real vibe with the Jaguars, right? You're not I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a ton of to that, you know, uh Uncle Rico getting sidelined for Trevor Lawrence is yeah. a little bit sad, but there's not, there's not a lot. <laughs> I mean, there. the stash, right. There's not a ton there with Jacksonville for him to work with. So it's going to be hard to just judge them off a of year one. They were their first round draft pick for a reason. Right. Right. And so See,
0: I'm from Kansas. City. I lived in Kansas city all my life and yeah. we love our chiefs. I mean, sold out games, yeah, of, you know, red Friday, all that kind of stuff. I moved down to Orlando, Florida, which is the home team for Orlando actually is Jacksonville. It's, it's the yeah. closest place, Tampa maybe, but there, you know, they were, the, the, our local market was Jacksonville. Yeah, They blacked out all the Jacksonville games. They could not sell out the Jacksonville games. And I'm thinking, really? Yeah. You can't sell out your NFL team in Kansas City. It was a foregone conclusion you were going to be able to watch the local team on your TV. The blackout wasn't even a thing in Kansas City. But they're in Orlando. No, they you cannot watch Jacksonville because they could not even sell out their stadium. So you're right, the vibe is completely different. How will Urban Meyer do in his first year? Not a, i think he is smart. He will learn, but there will be a learning curve. He will not come out of the gate smoking. Uh, and he has a rookie quarterback. Those two are gonna learn together. I gotta tell you, Chris, there's a big strike one against Urban Meyer already for his handling of the Tim Tebow situation. I'm not sure he could have handled that much worse. I thought when he said, hey, Tim Tebow neighbor, come over to uh, the team and we're going to have you be a gimmicky quarterback like Hill is or was in New Orleans, the so yes. quarterback you would bring in on fourth down or short yardage situation. You don't want to beat up, you know, your number one, you know, Trevor Lawrence, and so yeah, you bring in this other guy who's a fullback and throw the ball kind of like Hill was. Yep, that's what I thought. No, he said no. He's going to be a tight end. No. What an insult to all of your other tight ends that you're gonna bring in Tim Tebow to take away snaps and reps from those guys. I don't know what he's doing. Would you agree that that's a big strike one against Urban Meyer?
2: Well, kind of, because Tim Tebow is a known commodity to Urban Meyer. Remember, they were down in Florida together. Right. So he knows they won a national title. Right. So he knows Tim Tebow pretty well. So I think Tim may be his safety blanket. Like he knows that Tebow can, Tebow can and will do anything that Urban Meyer sets. So now, right. now Urban has a like a mole on the team to help with morale, and I think he's that's what he's really going to go for. Is he's going to try to get Tim Tebow to kind of be the guy that rallies the Jaguars around Urban Meyer's way of thinking and say, no, 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 you got to trust the process, you got to trust Urban, you got to trust well, what's going on. But I, I think I'll you're, stop, right.
0: you I think you're right. stop you there. I'm going to stop you there because. I'm gonna stop you there because you're in the West Coast and the news travels slowly, but he cut him two weeks ago. Uh oh. because, yeah, you say he, look, he's not a good tight end. We all know he's not a, a good tight end. That. It's kind of hard to learn catching skills. It's like Urban, yeah. Of course we know that he's not a tight end. Why did you bring him in as a tight end? I like what you just said, Chris. If he had brought him in as a quasi assistant coach a morale booster in the right. in the locker room like he was in florida and then bring him in in short short yard situations He's going to have the respect of the teammates. That's where Tim Tebow belongs. That's what he can do. Instead, he brings them in under some failed experiment as yeah. they tight end. Uh, yeah. I got to tell you, it's a head scratcher. I don't get why he did that. I would have made sense if he had gone the specialty route. He didn't do that. And so I got to say strike one to oh, Urban Meyer.
2: For sure. And that's how much I know about the Jaguars. I didn't even know Tim Tebow got. <laughs> See, again, Urban Meyer is going to go in there. If Urban comes out, a winning season for him is going to be 50%.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree.
2: If he, gets, if he gets 50% or above, it's a winning season for him. Do I think he's going right. to get that? Not at all. And I feel bad I know, for it's, Trevor it's... Lawrence. Like, Trevor Lawrence is an amazing quarterback, but he's going to get stuck in this rebuilding program and just have to carry the weight of it. And, and maybe he shines, right? Maybe he steps up and becomes QB, You know, the QB one that we all want him to be in this program, but it's just it doesn't look like it's going to happen.
0: I don't understand why they don't have quarterbacks sit that first year. Chris, I think it's a. Yeah. It, it is idiotic to run your quarterback out year one, and here's why. I, here's why I'm saying that. Now, yes, I'm a big Chiefs fan. Mahomes, yes. he sat the first year because we had, uh, you know, uh, Alex Smith. I know that the Chiefs was that was a different situation because we had, I think, the the 15th pick in the draft. We traded up, we got the 10th pick in the draft, so he wasn't the number one pick. He was down there at number 10, and the reason why that makes a difference is this: when You had the number one pick in the draft, that means you sucked. That means Uh, you had a really bad team the year before, and so you can't protect your quarterback, probably. The quarterback has no one to throw to, i.e. that's why you were so bad. You had the number one draft pick. Why have your player to sit back there and get nailed and killed for the first year? Suck another year, bring in some extra players with the high draft picks, and then when you bring him in in year two, a lot more experience. He's been able to watch the game from the sidelines, learn a little bit, and most importantly, suck other dummy is getting beaten up and it's not your your prized child any thoughts on that
2: well I think that's true in this situation the Mahomes situation and in the Trevor Lawrence situation I think the situation is different from Mac Jones right Mac Jones got drafted by the Patriots Alabama right and he got drafted at like 14 15 16 somewhere in there but the Patriots already later yeah the Patriots already have an O-line they already have what's going down so i think a mac jones situation is different where he could come into qb1 which unless i missed that news mac jones is still qb1 since cam newton got released
0: (laughs) that's right that's right Um, yep
2: but you get mac jones in there he's going to be able to have a lot of room to grow because the o-line of the new england patriots is insane but you got trevor Lawrence here at number one and he's he's going to be carrying the entire team when he should be carrying a clipboard
0: right Uh, for his sake protect trevor lawrence he's gonna get nailed yes you you want here's the other thing about quarterbacks they are so much better at the quarterbacking position during the second half of their career. That's when they're smart. That's when they get it. Look at all these quarterbacks, 30 to 35. That's when they're in their prime because it's more important to be cerebral and smart at the quarterback position than in the other positions. You are the leader of the team. Well, if you get beaten up early, you're not around for the second half of your career, and so yeah, I would say to Trevor Lawrence, just just sit him out this first right. year. They're not going to do that. And the second quarterback I have on the list, which you must actually have access to my computer because you nailed a great segue, Mac Jones. Now, yeah, right. I'm going to change what I just said and say this might be the exception, right? Because he was drafted later on to a team. With a coach who knows how to protect his quarterback, so I think you're going to see a a lot more success by Mac Jones this year than the
2: other rookie quarterbacks. Agree? Disagree? Oh, I totally agree with that. I think Mac Jones is in a great position. I think we're going to see a lot of rookie mistakes out of Mac Jones, which is just you know it's it's par for the course. But I don't think his future is in jeopardy. I think that he'll be fully protected behind the line. He's going to miss passes and miss laterals and all that sort of stuff. But Mac Jones isn't going to worry about concussions. He's not going to worry about getting hit hard.
0: And that is the argument for starting your quarterback as a rookie because there is a learning curve in the NFL. And so if you can learn in the game, it probably comes a little bit quicker. You're just hoping you can do it minus the concussions. All right, the next quarterback, I'm going right. I'm sure this is right up your alley. So I expect you to have a really good opinion on this. Trey Lance or Garoppolo? They're at San Fran. What, how do you think that should play out?
2: I think it should be Garoppolo. Look, I think okay. I think Trey Lance is going to do great things. I know that he wasn't, you know, he he made his way from Houston to Miami to San Francisco, um, but I really think that that Trey needs to kind of step back and let Garoppolo because Garoppolo. I don't want to say Garoppolo is a, is a crappy quarterback, but Garoppolo isn't performing at a level that I'd want him to.
0: Now, I, what's wrong with him? Because he was highly sought after from New, right. from New England. He was. Uh, he led them to the Super Bowl. So, and then it seems like during the Super Bowl against the Chiefs two years ago, they decided you can't throw the ball anymore, so you're just going to hand it off and get out of the way right. until your fourth quarter debacle. But nonetheless, it's it a different is, story. Yeah. Yeah, but... But what what happened to him? Why is he a shell of his
2: former self? Have they rocked his confidence? I totally think it's a confidence thing. I a hundred percent believe that he he came into San Francisco and we were all stoked, man. We were all super excited to get this Tom Brady, you know, um, what do you what do you call that uh, understudy? Protégé, yeah, yeah, protégé understudy. We were really excited to get him in there, and he came in and he started you know, learning the offense, and he was vibing really well, and then he got rocked a couple times, and all of a sudden it was a different world for him. Now, I need to caveat this with I could never be a professional quarterback. So, again, courtroom quarterback, (laughs) giving my two cents. I don't want it to come off like I'm somehow better than than Garoppolo, but I'm looking at it like you're just not performing. Like, you're just not there. And not that you can't get there. You're just not there right now. So maybe having Trey Lance sitting there, hungry to get in the game garoppolo going to step it up
0: right 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 that would be my you know, hope, the, my bias okay and, and so when do you think trey lance is actually going to see the football field in a meaningful uh in a meaningful way i'm not like bringing him in because you guys are blowing someone out by right. 50 or getting blown out by 50 but you
2: are bring in trey lance to win the game Think, this year, next year, I think he might come. He might start second half of this year, depending if Garoppolo is okay. completely losing. You know, if we if the Niners come out and Garoppolo is holding his own and we're and we're we're squeezing out more wins than losses, they're going to keep him in there. But if Garoppolo tanks the first four or five games, they're going to put in Troy Lance because they're going to try to make up the rest of the season.
0: All right. Lastly, Chicago, Justin oh. Fields or Andy Dalton? Which I I think Justin Fields is an interesting study because of this. When, when on draft draft night, right before draft, the big conversation was Mac Jones or Justin Fields. And it was right. pretty widely known that, you know, the hoodie, um, you know, um, New England's coach, Bill Belichick or Bill Cheater. I forget how you say his name. Yeah. Yeah, he um, he was high on Mac Jones and everyone was saying, "No, you, Mac Jones is not even in the same league as Justin Fields. The smart pick is Justin Fields and you are you are crazy if you are somehow in Mac Jones' uh, a camp." So I think they're going to be linked in their careers throughout. Who's going to have the better career, Mac Jones or Justin Fields? So let me just throw that out there to you, and this is even a bigger question. Of all the quarterbacks we've talked about, Urban Meyer, uh, Trevor, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, the highfalutin rookie quarterbacks this year, who is going to have the most success this year and then in their career?
2: So I'm going to throw in Zach Wilson in there as well. Okay. Just because I think him playing for the Jets, um, I think that he's going to have a pretty successful first year because – and whether or not he goes in at QB1, which I doubt. I think Zach Wilson is going to be somebody to watch. Not (laughs) –
0: you are good, great point. In my mind, I, I thought, oh, he's with the Jets. He's already a bad story. I mean, you want to talk about right. the quicksand, the molasses of NFL players. You go to the Jets, right. and, and you are done. I don't, but, yeah, you're right. Zach Wilson is a, is a great quarterback. So right.
2: go, go on. But, but I really, really, really think that Mac Jones is going to have the better career than Justin Fields because of the program that Mac Jones is going into. Chicago is not going to offer Justin Fields the same training, the same experience, the same time, the same energy, the same effort that that Mac Jones is going to get in New England. It's just not going to be there. I think Justin Fields is the better player. I think Justin Fields has the better potential. But it's not just about who's the better player. Football's a team sport, man. If you have no no O-line protecting you, looking again at you, Trevor Lawrence... Right. right. It doesn't it matter how good of a player you are. Like, Justin, who is going to mentor Justin Fields in Chicago? Right. Versus I, who's and I going think to the- mentor Mac Jones in New England?
0: Excellent point. That and it makes a huge difference to one's career and how well you perform, right. based on what the team that you are in. Are you in a system that plays to your strengths and weaknesses? Are you in a system that has no offensive line, so you can get nailed repeatedly? Yeah. Uh it, it makes a big deal. All right. Predictions. I want to get us on the record for what we think is going to happen this year. I'm going to go ahead and give you my prediction, and then hear yours. And uh, and I got to say. Uh, I'm a big Kansas City fan, and so I can say this honestly. I'm a little bit of a homer. My Super Bowl pick is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs will be playing the Green Bay Packers in their Ooh. attempt to keep Aaron Rodgers their home, keep him at Green Bay so he doesn't go elsewhere. They're going to keep him, and they're going to make it to the Super Bowl, but the Chiefs will prevail this year. Uh Chiefs over Green Bay in this year's Super Bowl. Any thoughts?
2: Ooh, that's a... That's a bold assertion that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't going to come around and, and repeat They are done. Super Bowl appearance.
0: No, no, no. The Tampa Bay, read it here, they are done. They are That done. was a fluke last year. You know it was a fluke. I know it was a fluke. They limped into the postseason last year. They were supposed to lose every single round, but Tom Brady just somehow, I don't know how he got the blessing from the Almighty last year. Everything just parted his way. Even to the point of having the Super Bowl at in his, his home. Exactly <laughs> on yeah. his home turf. Come on. He he, he has pictures of, of someone, it's Roger Goodell somewhere. I don't know. So what I'm saying is it's just like in basketball when a ref will make a call for one side, usually there's an evening out period, and then the call, the second half, the ref the calls might go the other way. This year, I'm saying whatever Tom Brady paid off last year, this year. It's gonna come to roost. And so I think that they are gonna be maybe, maybe nine and eight. Uh may maybe uh it's not gonna be pretty this year. That's my prediction. You heard it here. I will delete this at the end of the year if I if I look foolish, but Tampa Bay is gonna go, uh is gonna be in for a rude awakening.
2: Okay. I could I could see that. I could see that.
0: You, you what? What am I, I drinking over here?
2: No, 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 no! I could totally see that because I could, I can one hundred percent see that based on Tom Brady's performance last year and and him being a superstar. I could, I could definitely see them losing in the playoffs to to Green Bay and having Green Bay be a better all around team than Tampa Bay. I could totally, ever, totally buy that. Have,
0: have you ever seen a worse coaching decision in your life? then last year in the NFC championship game with Aaron Rodgers there on whatever oh yard line it was yeah. fourth down say so you know what no we know there's only like 2 minutes left and the other side stands Tom Brady we're going to go ahead and kick a field goal here and hope to get the ball back so we can score again I mean, come on, Chris. That is going to be. That, like I said, Tom Brady had something on someone last year. All of it. Now, this is not near as funny. I don't want to make light of the situation. Sure, sure, sure. But in Kansas City, the week before the Super just like days before the Super Bowl, Andy Reid's son, who is a yep. apparently the biggest idiot out there, yeah. Britt Reid, I think is his name, uh, who apparently Scott has had a, a, yeah. a previous history with alcohol go ahead and gets drunk, again, all allegedly, yep. at Arrowhead, gets in his car, on his way home from work, hits someone, and put this girl in, on, uh, in the hospital, life-altering injuries. Yep. That mm-hmm. had to have been weighing on Andy Reid's mind. It impacted the entire team, and we look like a team that was disheveled And unprepared. And do you even remember during that game, Andy Reid's probably the second biggest boneheaded coaching decision from last year. It was right before halftime, right? And uh, we decided, and Tampa Bay had the ball, and they were they're happy to run the clock out. Andy Reid decided, I want to call timeout here so we can get the ball back. Yes. Do Do you remember that? Yes. We were all very confused. Like, Andy, what what are you doing? We get the ball to start the second half. We will get it back. Right. Why are you calling a timeout here? And so, of course, you know what happens. He calls a timeout. Tom Brady, of course, makes the first down, which everyone in the world knew was going to happen. Because My wife's dog was like saying, arf, arf, what a stupid idiot you are. Yep. And then Tom Brady scores a touchdown. Of course he Uh, does. We all saw it. And so, again, I I think – um. The Chiefs are going to self-correct this year. That's not going to happen. And so I'm going to Chiefs over Green Bay in the Super Bowl. What, what are your, what, what's your pick?
2: So I know we talked a little bit about this before we got on air. And as we talked more about it, my mind shifted a little bit, thinking about quarterbacks and what's <laughs> going to happen. So I definitely think the Chiefs are going to go. Chiefs have got the AFC on lockdown. But I'm right. going to go with the Rams for the All NFC. All right. Interesting. Matthew Safford now- going over to the Rams, I think – I think that's going to I think that's gonna, think that's gonna that be... could be a good fit. I think it's going to be a good fit. I think it's going to be smart. I think that that's going to propel the Rams. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Don't get me quoted on that one. I definitely think this is going to be a Chiefs victory, and my hat's off to you already. But I think... The, I appreciate it. We'll I, take it. I think the Rams are going to do it. I think the Rams are going to be the one to watch, to pay attention to. All now, right. again, kids, this is why we don't gamble, because I'm going to put my money this week on the Rams, and we're going to watch how quickly... All my predictions are absolute crap.
0: Well, we're going to talk about that here in just a bit. We're going to put our betting lines on, on make them public here in just a bit. But now, so you have the Rams. Or no, you have, who do you have winning? Chiefs or Rams? I have Chiefs winning. Okay, Chiefs over the Rams in, right. in this year's Super Bowl. Right. Now, the MVP, we both agree on this one because there really is no disagreement. No. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Of I course. think he is on of the course. spot and his his brand new baby girl. Yep, saying daddy. You're not even MVP. You have yet to win the MVP in my lifetime. I think you're a fraud. So he just for his <laughs> baby girl, he's going to win the MVP for her, and so um, yep. we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, you, know what? I'm, I'm gonna just give this one thought here that we're gonna jump into some legal storylines. Uh, the biggest overplayed storyline for this year. I want to give you my biggest overplayed storyline. And I want to see if you agree with this, but this is going to get under my skin like nobody, like like the SEC. That's how much it's going to get (laughs) under my skin. Here's here's going to be the almost overplayed storyline. Records are being broken this year. This is an all-time great season. Look at this guy. Look at all these records that are being threatened by these outstanding performances. Chris, you know what? We have an extra game this year. Exactly. That's why records right. will be broken. They have 5% more opportunities to right. gain more yards, to score more TDs. Right. So spare me all that. This is the greatest performance ever. They have an extra game to do it. A- any thoughts on that? No,
2: I totally agree with you on that. When you increase the number of games, it's only going to increase the stats. It's only going to be a record-breaking game. You know you know what I want to see record-breaking? I want to see record-breaking hours donated of sewer of community service. I want <laughs> right, to see record-breaking right. donations of cash from football players to worthy causes. That's what's going to get me up in arms about record-breaking. If you're going to tell me that he's going to rush, you know, if whoever's going to rush for more yards than ever before in a season, it's because you're adding games. It's all it yes. is.
0: Right. you're, you're adding is. games, so don't tell me, oh look, now you rush for a thousand yards. Who cares? Right. right? You had you had 17 games. That's not the same thing as Jim Brown rushing for 1,000 yards in 12 games. So right. sparing me the comparisons, Jim Brown is still the best running back ever, and no one's going to duplicate what he did. Right. All right. Chris, I'm gonna have a lot of fun here doing this uh, oh, yeah, sports man. podcast. I mean, you and I could just be talking here, and not even be running the mic, and I'd still be having a blast here. Maybe it uh, has some wings in at that point in time. But <laughs> we gotta we gotta cover some legal storylines. There's a couple legal storylines that is facing the world of sports. The first one I want to focus on is Deshaun Watson's legal woes in Texas. So here's what's going on. Of course, I'm sure you follow what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Of course. 22 women. Then with the 23, they make down back down to 22 women. Alleged that he sexually assaulted them when he was getting a massage to which almost every normal thinking person responded with the thought of, why does Deshaun Watson have 23 masseuses? I, I don't know any other person that has 23 <laughs> masseuses, but that's a whole nother issue. All right, he has 23 masseuses, yep. and they – plus, it was just 23 of them. Actually, I think he had 40. 23 said he sexually assaulted me. 18 said he never even made an advance on me, and so I guess he has 40 masseuses. Well, nonetheless, that's played out on the field because Texans just announced Deshaun Watson – Will not be their starting quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's not even going to dress up this week. He is sitting down. Yep. Probably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL is not even gonna suit up. So this is really where the courtroom meets the actual gridiron right. and they're holding Deshaun Watson back. Any thoughts?
2: Oh man. Well, and I I think you're seeing more and more of this over sports completely, right? You got Trevor Bauer with the same situation in the LA Dodgers you know, him sitting down because of all the accusations of sexual misconduct, I think that people are taking it, especially the leagues are taking it more seriously because they translate bad press into negative equity in their product. Right. And so for the NFL, and it's always been this way for the NFL, right? It's a dollars and cents game. What's going to make them more money? What's going to make them less money? The more we talk about football and the more that we have discussions about the game, Versus the actual players and what they're doing, the better it is for the NFL. You know, I was, um, we're in a fantasy football league here at Arizona State and we picked. And uh, this week in our fantasy football league, Deshaun Watson was dropped by 98% of the teams. Really? Just straight dropped. Wow. And
0: you know what? I, I'm You just mentioned it. Also, I'm, I'm thinking, I sure hope I do not draft Deshaun Watson on my <laughs> team. So I did the auto draft thing where the computer yep. just selects your players. Yeah. I sure hope and pray to God that I do not have Deshaun Watson. I'm about to make a quick cut, but um, all right. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Uh, and they, they still are drafting him. I even heard this week of trade rumors. Yep. Really? Does he actually have trade value now?
2: No. Well, what he's am got I no value here? Now. He's got what? What is no value? I don't understand what's going time. to go on. Yeah. He's he's either it's either going to go one or two ways. And in in pure speculation, you got 22 people coming out against you. Love averages one or two are going to be true. Whether that's true or right. not is what it is. But he's done. He's he's not going to have any trade value. Nobody's going to want to pick him up. Nobody's going to want to have him in the locker room. He's not going to be good for team morale. It's just going to be oh and it's not like it's not like a Ray Lewis situation or a Michael Vick situation where, you know, things went horribly bad and they were good enough to come back and lead teams to victory. I don't. Right. It's, it's just not there. Like he's just not worth the headache. To but keep. Let's analyze
0: it. Let's analyze the legal scenario. So this right. is a civil lawsuit right here, mainly. Right. These 23, 22 lawsuits. This is a civil lawsuit. Right. Uh, he is, His deposition has not been scheduled until, I believe, February. So right. after, after the, the season. season. Yep. So he could play this year for the Texans. So I find that to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Since he c- can play, why did they hold him out this week? Because only thought coming back
2: with more and more people saying he did it.
0: But why hold him out? I mean, Roger Goodell has not spoken. Right. But here's my thought. Well, yeah. I think Roger Goodell has spoken. I think Roger Goodell called up the Texans it and said, said look, him. he is going to be punished. And so you might as well start the discipline now. Right. And we'll make it retroactive. You know there's going to be discipline coming from our office. We don't want to speak too soon because we don't know the full story yet. We don't know what's going to come out. So we're, we're kind of holding back a little bit. But you know there's going to be some repercussion, so sit him now so his discipline can start now, and then whenever he is disciplined, it'll be some, at least some time served. So I think that's what's right. going on. There must have been some call from Roger Goodell's office saying sit him, and it'll be considered time served at the end of the day, which means he might not be available to, to play this year.
2: Right. And there, it shows that the Houston Texans are being proactive, that the NFL is being proactive and taking these – Allegations seriously again. I mean, you talk about how it's the wokest of the woke organizations. Yes, this is this is and this is societal pressure upon the NFL.
0: Right, and this is a probably a good scenario. I almost yes. say, um, uh, the it's only it's good, good one. It's the for the one. NFL
2: to get out ahead of this and start the punishment process now.
0: Right, right. Or, or else you're going to have fans rooting for him, and then you're going to have people say, "Oh, you're rooting for him," therefore you must right
2: not support women's you know or well, you might, you must support sexual assault people right that was the biggest and this is this is going to be a little attenuated but if we remember back to the olympics and it right. was the 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 fencer right the guy on the fencing team who had a couple of sexual allegations and, and um pending cases for sexual assault they still let him play on the u.s olympic fencing team but the entire team wore pink and they spoke out against him and it just destroyed okay. morale for the right. U.S., and granted, U.S. fencing is not NFL. I'm putting that out there. But you're <laughs> you're seeing kind of the, the blowback, and it could have been also an internal thing where it was a vote of no confidence from the rest of the team, right?
0: Can I believe? Right, yeah, I, go on.
2: I was going to say, get, you know, Roger called them down, said, hey, something's got to happen. The, the Texans are all like, well, let's talk about it. Let's take it to the team. And the team's like, F this guy. We don't want to be right. on the same field. Let's see where this is going.
0: And here's the other way it's going to play out under the collective bargaining agreement. Correct. You have to play a certain amount of games for that year to count under, you know, against the team uh, and under the contract. So it is possible if he does sit this entire year out, it's basically a wash for everyone. Now, Deshaun Watson will be out 20 to $30 million. That much is true. But his contract will pick back up next year, and Texans will still have the same number of years of rights for Deshaun Watson. He can still be traded, which is most likely is what he will do. Uh, All right. So from a legal standpoint, these are civil lawsuits. His deposition is not going to happen until February, and and so the other side will be um, there'll be some legal going you know happenings in the meantime, uh, and the NFL will learn more about the situation. Uh, That I think is fixable i think the lawyers are smart enough they i've already read the the response they will both sides will be able to nuance this argument to fit their oh, yeah. position so deshaun watson will get a second chance in the nfl for sure. i believe for sure under the the civil case it gets a lot more complicated if a criminal case is commenced, now it's my understanding that eight of these women have filed criminal complaints against them, they have. but I have not heard the date. And I just checked before this podcast, he has not been arrested. So at whatever level this criminal inv- investigation is, it has not risen to the level of arresting Deshaun Watson for this yet. <laughs> if that does happen, I think that might be a game changer. Uh, then you got 22 you know, uh civil lawsuits, you have criminal accusations yep. as well. It becomes a much more serious deal. On the flip side, if there is no criminal charges, I, I wonder if that will play into the public's response to Deshaun Watson. I don't know. Now, Chris, here's something I really I I, I pause before I say this because I hesitate on how it might sound, but I think I am speaking reality, and that is this the public is way too quick to overlook transgressions if that person is winning for their team.
2: I don't know why that is. 100%. Well, this is America. We value, we're winners. We value winning. If you can win, we will overlook all sorts of indiscretions.
0: And here, you're going to get this storyline as well. If, let's say, Deshaun Watson goes back to some team, right, and he leads them to a Super Bowl win. This is a storyline you're gonna hear from the, the news. Ah, he has redeemed himself. He has fixed it. He has corrected the wrong. He's made himself into a new man. Right. No, he didn't. No. He won a football game that has nothing to do with these other allegations, but that's how the public perceives these things. Right. Like, oh look, now we can root for him again. He's 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 a new man. Uh he's atoned for his past misgivings. And I'm just I'm gonna get uh, uh, you know, I don't know, indigestion.
2: And and that. I mean, that played out exactly like Michael Vick. That was 100% Michael Vick. Oh, he atoned. He he paid his debt. He's rehabilitated. No, he is not. No, he's a winner. And we like winners. We like winning in America. We like the perception of being the best. Deshaun could get – he could get zero charges and no – the civil suits could all settle out of court with with gag agreements and all that jazz – And people will be like, no, Deshaun, and and there'll always be, like, let's say Deshaun goes back with the Texans, or let's say he gets traded. Let's say he gets traded to, I don't know, let's say he gets traded to Green Bay. Putting it out there. Right? Whoever hates the Green Bay Packers are going to say Deshaun is not rehabilitated. And whoever loves the Green Bay Packers are going to be like, this is a real human interest piece. This is a real, real, you know, a, a real coming forward of a man who had a broken past and and made life good. No, neither of that happens on the football field. He didn't. I will
0: say, I will say just from my perspective, I do believe in second chances. I'm totally not it. sure I believe in 55th chances, but I do believe in second chances. Right. And uh, as long as a person uh, is really sorry and seeks to fix the wrong that he did, you, you got to ask for forgiveness. Right. And if you wrong someone, you need to ask for forgiveness. Time has to pass. If these things happen, I do believe that people are entitled to second chances. Though I, I I'm sure at some level, I would, I would maybe come back on that statement. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll see what Deshaun Watson does. All right. Right. That that'll be difficult. That will be difficult. All right. One last legal storyline, and then maybe we'll run out of time for this week. Though we have yet to cover the I hate the SEC section. Uh, how Uh, Next we're going to cover I hate the SEC. Who can take down Alabama? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, all right, le- legal storylines, and then we'll do our gambling picks. All right, here's, here's my, my last issue, the vaccination issue. I think it's going to be a huge legal issue this year. When it comes to player availability let me just kind of set the stage here the nfl has set has changed their policy when it comes to how it treats vaccinated versus unvaccinated players and so for example if someone is 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 vaccinated and they come down covid they re, they receive uh, miss much less game time, have to sit out much less time. If you were not vaccinated, I think I believe you have to sit out ten days, and then there is a three day protocol for getting back. If you are, if someone comes down with COVID and you are in close contact with that person, but you are vaccinated, then you are treated much less harshly than if you were vaccinated. Here's my point with all of this, Chris. This deals with players' paychecks. Because when you if you have to miss a game because of this policy, you lost a million bucks, let's just say. If if you are a high big time player, let's say you make $22 million a year, that's over a million a game, you're losing a lot of money. And so you're gonna see a lot of players upset with this, file grievances. I think you're gonna see this play out uh this throughout the season. A- any thoughts on that?
2: to have to deal with some of these COVID vaccine type stuff because it is it's going to be a civil issue it's going to be a money issue you're going to sue the NFL players union is pretty strong there's I mean there's so many ways around it it's it I I it reverberates through all aspects of the game I mean from even we're going to gamble a little bit after this podcast, but the Vegas book, right? If you have right, 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 if you have guys that are superstar players, let's say Mahomes, choose, and I don't, I think he did, I think he got vaccinated, but Mahomes not getting vaccinated, Brady not getting vaccinated, that's going to change the odds at your Vegas table. Yes, that's going to change your, right. that's going to change fantasy football, DraftKings, that's going to change all of this stuff, and that's going to met, that's going to introduce this unknown element. Not to mention your your you know, We haven't really established what, if any, civil rights people who don't believe in the vaccine have. We can, we can do this in the court of public opinion all day long. I'm for vaccines, right. but that's Chris Marone's personal opinion. I'm not Roger Goodell. How are they going to affect this? Because nowhere in the collective bargaining agreement or in a player's um, um, contracts is the COVID vaccine listed. As something they have to do. Also, there's lists of drugs that are approved and aren't approved for NFL players. That list is very long. COVID vaccine does not show up on the approved drug list.
0: Interesting. So that's a change. And so why are they making these changes? Did the players sign off on it? And if the Players Association did sign off, the players... Are they going to be really ticked at their rep for signing off on this when they are not in agreement? This seems to be taking money out of the player's back pocket in a lot of instances. So I think you're going to see some lawsuits. We'll cover that as well and monitor that possible legal scenario as the season progresses. All right, let's end here with our gambling picks. Now, I I didn't want to give this disclaimer here. For those of you that know me personally, you know... I don't gamble. I Because I am really cheap, I like to keep a hold of my money. So I'm doing this for two reasons, Chris. All right. The first reason why I'm doing this as an educational tool for the kiddos out there, right? If you gamble, you'll be like me and lose your money so quickly. See how fast it took me to blow through $500? Do not be like Joel. So that's one reason why I'm no. doing this, right? To, to, to set the stage of do not do this. Right. The second reason is, is just to prove and test how long till Wendy actually listens to this sports segment <laughs> of the podcast. Wendy is my wife, and I don't think she's actually going to listen to this. So I'm not going to mention it to her. I'm going to wait till she comes up to me and says, Did you really bet $500 on sports? And then we're going to have a very interesting conversation. But nonetheless, let's just see how long we can go until she finds out about this. All right. Do you have any marriage counselors? Uh, I got a few. I got a few. Okay, good, good. So we're going to start with $500. All right, now $500 is the account. But we're going to do $10 $10 bets. But Chris, you actually can do more than that if you want. If you want to do $100, if you feel so strongly about a bet... You can jump it up to all $500 if you want to, all right? All right. Uh, That's that's why I don't gamble. It would not be a good idea. But nonetheless, I'm going to do $10 bets because I want to kind of learn along the way. All right, so here, I'm going to give you my three bets, and then you give me your three bets. The first one I'm going to go with here is, see, I I got six on here. I'm gonna go with Kansas City, Cleveland. All right, the Thanks. over under is 52 and a half points, which means you take the two teams point total, you add them together, and the Vegas odds are saying that's 52 and a half points. So do I want the over, or do I want to take the under of that? If it comes in at 52 and a half, I just get my money back. Now, Chris, this is the type of bet where if I put $10 down, I will win 10 for going over if I win. If we if it goes under, of course I lose my $10. All right. Right. I'm taking, the, I'm taking the over. I think Kansas City is on fire. You saw that the last preseason game. I think they are going, they might score 52 and a half points themselves. So I'm thinking they're going to score at least 38 okay. to 41 points. And I think um I think uh, Cleveland is good for the other couple of points there. Uh, so I'm going to take the over uh, on Cleveland, Kansas City at 52 and a half.
2: All right. All
0: right. Do you, do you want me to do all three of mine or yeah, do you want to do, do yours do all three of yours. Oh. Okay. The second one I'm going to do, and this one I I I, I hesitate to do, but Bears versus the Rams. All right. Ooh. It's 44 and a half points here is the over under. Okay. Now the Bears are starting a uh, – a, a, veteran quarterback i guess right not not justin fields right uh the pay, the the rams have their new quarterback oh, this is a tough one 44 and a half points i, I think i might just talk myself out of this one um i guess I, I guess i'm gonna go uh under on this one uh okay uh, under 44 and a half I, I put under on there so uh yeah i'm just gonna i i my thought was, is that it's, it's defense oriented. You get two new quarterbacks with two new teams okay. to two good defenses. They will be struggling on offense. The defenses will be clicking. And so I thought I'm going to go with the under on that one. All right. Lastly, I'm going to go with your local team, Arizona my man. Uh, versus Tennessee. And so in this game, Arizona, Tennessee is favored by two and a half points. Yeah. Uh, and so, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tennessee, and I'm gonna with, and I'm gonna give up two and a half points. What for you non betters out there? What that means is if Arizona loses, but only by one or two points, I still lose that bet. So I'm taking Tennessee minus the two and a half.
2: Wow, that you cut me deep there.
0: I know, I know, that's tough.
2: There, it's a three point spread, man. It's a field goal spread, but I I I see where you're at.
0: I know it is tough, and I so badly wanted to pick the Chiefs in Cleveland on the spread on that game of six and a half. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to blow Cleveland out of the water in this game. I think we are mad, we are ticked. You saw a little bit of it. You saw glimpses yeah. of that in that final preseason game. We are going to be clicking at all cylinders here. This is Red Friday. It's going to be an amazing game. It's
2: Going to kill it. I could see that. I could totally see that.
0: All right, what, what are your picks?
2: All right, I'm going to start with probably my most controversial pick, and that's going to be we got the Steelers versus the Bills. Now the yeah, Bills, I saw that one. The Bills are favored to win by a touchdown, by 6.5 points, right? So if the Steelers right. lose by a touchdown, or they lose by less than a touchdown, so if they lose by a safety or a field goal or two field goals, whatever, they don't cover the spread. I think the Steelers are going to pull this out. I think the Steelers right. are going to beat Buffalo, so I'm going to put my money on the Steelers. But the over/under is 48.5 points, and I think it's going to be under. I think the Steelers are going to win, and they're going to go under 48.5. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I think the Steelers are going to take it.
0: All right, so you got to explain the the. the, the cause I think you told me two different bedsticks. I'm not really familiar with Vegas. Oh, you you t- you took okay. the, the the um. You took the over. You think it's going to be over forty eight? No, and a half, right? I've taken the
2: under. I think
0: it's going to be a low under?
2: scoring game, so I think they're going to score okay, less than forty eight points combined.
0: So that's the under. And then, are you also taking the Steelers? I am. over the Bills. I am All taking. Right, what's the, the spread on that one? Do you know?
2: Yeah, Bills are favored to win by six point five.
0: Wow, six point five. You got a good one. So you got Steelers plus six and a half points.
2: Right. So I'm gonna. All right. uh, that's and that's my one. And that's probably going to be my most controversial. Discussion okay. point. Um, then we're going to move on to, obviously, my hometown favorite team of San Francisco 49ers. They're a 7.5 favor to beat the Detroit Lions. And all I really oh, had to man. say was Detroit, right? <laughs> all right. So, oh, San so I'm taking San Fran. I'm going to take the easy money. I'm putting the easy money on San Francisco. Now watch, kids. Detroit's going to come in and stomp a mud hole in us. And I'm going to have to eat my words next week. But I think that's I think that's a good pick, though, because Detroit has a new quarterback. Who's what? their quarterback? Um I don't remember uh, right now. they lost Stafford. Yep, because he went over to the Rams. Uh is it Goff? Oh, they got the Rams. They got the Goff. Rams quarterback. Yeah, they got Goff.
0: Yeah, so they got a new quarterback learning a new system. Yep. San Fran is really strong on defense, and they got a, a veteran quarterback early on in the season. I, I I I guess say yeah, I like that bet seven yep. and a half. Uh, so you got yeah San Francisco minus the seven and a half, right?
2: And then my okay. And then my last one because we're doing odds, it's going to be the Raiders versus the Ravens. Los, Raiders, okay. Las Vegas Raiders taking on Baltimore Ravens.
0: And we, which pick are you doing that one? Where, where are you going with that? I'm
2: one? I'm going to take the Ravens only. F- well, for a lot of reasons, I don't think the Raiders are going to step up, and we're not going to see a lot of them. The Ravens are favored to win by five or more, and the over-under is 50.5 points. So I really do think that the Ravens are going to win, and they're going to cover the over. It's going to be over 50 points for the game.
0: You're going over on this one, and also you're taking the Ravens minus the points over the Raiders.
2: And there's one last bet I want to put out there for pure comedy sake, because I know you have a good laugh. Okay. This weekend up in Utah is the Civil War. BYU versus University of Utah. I want to put okay. money on the Storm and Mormons. I'm going to put You're money. You're going with BYU. I'm going to go with BYU in the Civil War game over right. University of Utah.
0: I'm going to watch that game now because you mentioned that because BYU is a future member of my favorite conference, the Big 8, Big 12, however many they have right now. I don't know. But I assume you heard this last week that um, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and um, I'm getting the – oh, Houston. Houston, yeah. The the rumor is those four schools are going to come to the Big 12 to save the Big 12, to to give them some relevancy. I'm a big supporter of this. I'm going to unpack next week why I think this is such a great move for the big 12 and college football in general. All right. Hey, Chris, I've had a lot of fun. This loving this. So you can go, you can go to our, our podcast. I'm going to put these bets on the podcast so we can make this matter a public record. to um, put them on there. And, uh, and so we'll come back next week. Let's unpack the world of sports and hopefully find the intersection between law and the sports because Hey, courtroom quarterback, what a great name. So have a have a great week, Chris, and go Chiefs.
2: <laughs> Later. Thank you, Joel, for having me. Go Niners.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our vice president of operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support.